Hey everybody, I'm Anna McEwen. And now for Bob Switzer with the epic narrative. Right. What 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 what? Episode 30. This is crazy. <clears throat> I have mapped it out. If you're listening to episode 30, we're not even halfway through. Just so you know, I know we've been like cranking out one chapter a week here. I think three weeks in a row. And we're going to try and do it again today because it's kind of easy to do. I, I don't know. It's Yeah. But clearly, clearly as I've mapped it out, uh, we're not going to be able to do that for much longer. <laughs> Which does not surprise me at all. And it shouldn't surprise you either. Welcome to the epic narrative, everyone. We are so glad you're here. <laughs> uh, once again, I want to thank I want to thank my beautiful daughter, who puts together all of the promotional slides. Anna McEwen. She's also the lovely voice before and after every one of these uh, episodes because she honestly has a gorgeous voice, and you should hear her sing. Oh, honestly, it's a sweet. I know I'm her dad, but it's like the sweet sound of heaven when I hear her her sing. And I don't care what she sings. Like you, it's not just worship music. Like I've heard her sing everything. She just, she just, she's just amazing. And then I want to thank Brian, my producer. Uh, this is the second year in a row he's been doing it. And this year, of course, we added the Bob thoughts at the end of the episode. So he actually. It's, it's actually harder now than it was the year before, but we really we really thought that was worth trying. Uh, the first year, we learned a lot. We got into a good rhythm. We've tried to make it better this year, uh, and Bob Thoughts was one of the ways that we could do that. And uh, I hope you've learned some things from Bob Thoughts. I, uh, because I pre-record all of these things, I don't know what my thoughts are yet. So I literally do those kind of on the fly in the moment. And, uh, so who, you know, I, I don't know what those look like at the time of this recording, but I do know it's not easy. I do know that it just, it's not like I can just, uh, do it on my phone and he just, you know, puts it on the air. Like he's just too much of a, of an, of an artist. Uh, and if you want to, I recommend that you listen to him. He's, his albums are available on Spotify and iTunes uh, he goes by the the name Brian the Giant, and it's uh, B-R-Y-A-N, Brian the Giant. And he writes uh, some amazing original tunes, and he's also on TikTok. Check him out. Um, oh, man, what's this? I, I, it's not Brian the Giant. It's uh, Penny, Penny something. No, not the clown Pennywise. Oh, my gosh. No. Uh well, I should have looked it up. Wasn't planning on promotion, promoting Brian. But anyways, he's on TikTok. He has like 100,000 plus followers. And honestly, he deserves every one of them. Uh, and he periodically, often he will sing. And man, if you want to hear him sing, check him out. Uh, Brian's on TikTok. And so am I. Uh, as you know, I'm on TikTok too. And tick, no, just TikTok, not TikTok too. Um but mine mostly have to do with theology and God being a good God. And I try to make them obviously one minute long and sometimes they're a little provoking, but that's the concept, right? TikTok for people to listen to quickly and then comment and interact with. All right. Enough about me. We'll never get through this chapter. 
That's the truth. You won't if you don't start. All right, here we go. Genesis 17. When Abram was 90, good grief. Why does the beginning of every one of these chapters start with some massive amount of time lapse? Do you remember the end of last chapter? End of last chapter. He was 86. Boom. Let's see, we got 10 years to be 96, 97, 98, 99. So 13 years later, I did all that math in my head and my fingers. So back off. I know it's right. 13, 13 years, 13 years, and we actually know that later on in these verses because it says that uh, Ishmael is 13 years old, 13 years, been raising Ishmael, having two wives, doing family, enjoying life, expansion, oh my gosh, he has got tent cities all over Canaan. He is influencing governments all over Canaan. He, uh, everybody knows who Abram is. Everybody. And he has been teaching and preaching and not preaching. You know, I say preaching and we get this mindset of, you know, westernized preachers, of uh, the audiences and people listening to a single person up front and then applauding when they're done and they leave. Just not the culture of their day, right? He would have been interacting with people on a daily basis. They would have been coming to the altar. He would have been celebrating, uh, doing, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't have the, quote, Jewish calendar at the time. <laughs> he didn't have the Jewish calendar, but he did have the pattern that his father set up, which was every month when when his father was the high priest under Nimrod, right, every month a different idol was was celebrated. So I believe the mindset of celebrating, having a celebra cele celebration every month for God, I think would fit naturally for him. And I only say that because we know in Exodus, when God actually sets up the Jewish calendar, every month but one has a celebration in it, and that one uh, is a day of fasting, but it ends in celebration. So even so... It's, it's all about celebrating every month. So God has a great heart of celebration. You want to call him the God of the party. I don't think that that's uh, something he shies away from. I think he really enjoys the party. I think he wants his family to party. I think he want, he understands what it's like for everybody to be all together, hanging out, just drinking, eating. I mean, honestly, look at the Jewish calendar. Like everyone is like, copious amounts of wine is involved. And no, it's not grape juice skulls. Get me started on that. I used to preach that. I really did. I used to preach that the wine in the Bible was actually just a little bit of alcohol mixed in with a whole lot of water because it was a way of purifying. It was it was God's way of making sure that, you know, bad bacteria wasn't wasn't in the water. You pour a little bit of alcohol in it and then everything's fine. But it was really way less than, than, uh, you know, than you, you could even like, it was way less. Like you could never get drunk drinking the wine of the Bible, which doesn't make any sense except in a religious mindset in which you're trying to get points with God and you just, you don't drink because it makes God more happy with you. Right. And then you do any sort of like, okay, like not almost zero per, zero research, and you realize there's no way that that's what it was. And for years, 
right? Everybody served wine in like literal wine in all of the churches. And like, you know, you got uh, Corinthians, they're getting in trouble because they're not in trouble, but Paul's like, guys, you're drinking way too much wine. Like, everybody's getting drunk. This is like you, you drunkenness is no, that's not a good plan. Drinkingness is fine. Drunkenness, not so good. Let's, let's not make that a habit, right? And then where did grape juice come from? Grape juice came during the prohibition where, uh, I believe his name was a, uh, I believe he was a Presbyterian preacher. His name was uh, something Welch. And he came up with unfermented wine, i.e. grape juice. And that's what he served. And that became the standard. Oh, only, only the most godly would drink grape juice, the fruit of the vine, not the alcohol of the vine. Oh, my gosh. Listen, if you want more on that, you should read John Crowder's book, uh, Money, what is it? Money, Sex, Beer, and God. Beer, beer, Money, Sex, and God. Sex, Money, Beer, and God. Anyways, <laughs> it's a great book. I know. I get, well, I go down these rabbit trails. And I don't, I don't do the research on it. I don't know what rabbit trail I'm going down. They'll figure it out. This is the internet. John Crowder, Money, Sex, Beer, and God. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Money, Sex, Beer, and God. And it's they're all good. And they're all fun. And God loves them all. So there you go. All right. Good book review. Thank you to all the people that actually make this happen. And we're 10 minutes in. And we've yet to deal with anything other than the first phrase of verse 1, which was Abraham was 99 years old, 13 years after of everyday life, interacting with God on a regular basis. And there he is. The Lord appeared to him. And he said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully. And be blameless. Oh, man, there's so many manipulative preachers that could take this right now and just roll with it. Can you hear them? God wants you to walk faithfully and be blameless. That means no one can look at you and see anything that would not be in the holy God. If they look at your life and there's anything that they can look at, and they can blame you for it, then you are not blameless. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. I'm just mocking them. I know. I shouldn't mock people. I shouldn't. I should just be nice and just say there are manipulative preachers out there. Be careful of them because they'll take this verse and twist it into all kinds of opportunities for you to feel guilty and shame. And you just remember that God doesn't give guilt or shame. God doesn't twist things like this. He doesn't use his word to manipulate behavior. He uses his love to inspire and to encourage behavior. And there's a huge difference. He doesn't use conviction in order to destroy your life. He uses conviction in order to invite you into a deeper life with him. And if a conviction of God doesn't feel like an invitation from God, then you're not, you're not handling it right. <laughs> and you have a perspective problem. I'm available for preaching and speaking opportunities. Please contact me. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a horrible thing to do, Bob. See, you're now you're, I know it's Bob's like, yeah, now you're being manipulative. I know that was, that was bad. All right. Uh, he's like, uh, then I will make a covenant between me and you. 
and will greatly increase your numbers. And Abram fell down on his face, and, he, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Now he's 99 years old. Now, he's telling him, listen, let's, let's go through this. Uh, the reason why this particular appearance from God is noted is because of what it happens, all right? It's not because it's a one-time event. And I know a lot of people who don't believe that God speaks to, you know, in, in, to, to his creation, who thinks that, you know, God kind of sits off on the sidelines and occasionally shows up, and that's why people freak out when he talks. The reason why this particular appearance of God is noted is because of what happens in this appearance. It's not that it never happens except for once every 13 or 15 or 10 years. It's that something unique happened. He goes, I want you to walk before me. Listen to that. I want you to walk before me faithfully, blamelessly. When you walk before somebody, that means you're doing it in person. That means you're, you're in their presence. That means you're literally in their face. Have you ever had it? Uh, for, I know, no, that's a terrible example, right? Okay, we'll go with a child. You ever had a child walk before you? We just did Halloween here. We were out with five of our, grand, five of our multiple, nine plus, well, I don't know. Hopefully, we still have nine. At the time of this recording, we have nine grandchildren. So we were out doing Halloween with uh, five of them. Yes, we go out during Halloween. We do not go to uh, harvest parties. <laughs> we don't go to fall festivals at the church. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those are funny, though, right? Aren't they funny? Anyways, we don't celebrate Halloween, but come to our church and get free candy. We're doing a harvest party. What? Oh, that'll trick them into heaven. Ooh. All right. Follow up, Bob. You, uh, it's, you know what it is? It's late afternoon. I usually do these recordings that are in, in the morning, like anywhere from 8 to noon. But it is afternoon, and I am... I am... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little loose when it comes to uh, making personal commentary. Anyways, I hope you're enjoying this episode. <laughs> it's unique. I usually don't do this in the afternoon. Uh, so he's like, I want you to walk before me. Uh, oh, so the children, right? When they're walking before you, you're literally like tripping over them. God bless them. Everything within them wants to be in front of you. I, you know, my grandsons, they want to be in front of me. They don't know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to walk in front of you. And it's like, hey, uh, no, no, no. Like several times last night, it's like, no, no, guys, you you literally walk past the house. Look, look at that house. See, they have the candy out. There's the gargoyle out there. <laughs> like go to the gargoyle, get the candy. They're so intent on walking in front of you. They, they'll walk right by where they're trying to get to. That's the, That's kind of the concept here. I want you to walk before me faithfully. I want you to be in my face. I want you to be in close relationship with me and blameless. This is not a manipulation of saying God requires blamelessness. He's saying, I want this to be, I want this to be uh, pure. I want our connection to be without interruption. If you looked at, uh, at a relationship like, um, like a pipeline, 
then then blameless would mean the pipeline's always clean. If something got in the way, there was a rock or something in the it would no longer be blameless. It would there would be something in the way. It's not that the relationship ends, it's that now we have to work our way around something that's in the way. God's saying, I want you to walk before me in a manner in which there is nothing in our way. That's what he's saying. There's no manipulation in this phrasing. He says, I'm going to make a covenant with, with me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And, and Abraham falls down because he is overwhelmed by what God is saying. He's humbled again. He's thinking after 13 years of raising Ishmael, 13 years of having Hagar and Sarai, and 13 years, as I'm guessing, of continuing to try to have more children with Sarah, I have a gut and some nuances in the legends and oral traditions that he never slept with Hagar again because he wanted to honor Sarah and honor the covenant of God. God made it clear. I'm giving you a, a blood-born child from Sarah. And Abraham was like, okay, then I won't have any more children with Hagar. But we're all going to, you know, I'm going to raise Ishmael. We're not going to kick him out or anything. Everything's good. Now, remember 13, by the time they were 13 in these cultures, you were like a full-fledged working man. And as the son of Abraham, of Abram at this time, as the son of Abram, he would have been like legit running things, like overseeing multiple probably divisions of the family. He might have even been, you know, uh, considered for staying, uh, you know, spending a couple months off site on some other little campground, not little, but major campground for the shepherds. Like he was a representation, a representative of Abram all over the nations. And God, he falls down because he's realizing God is renewing his covenant. He's like, I'm just going to remind you, I'm going to make a covenant between you and me. You will greatly increase your numbers. I have not forgotten this. Verse four, as, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations, many nations. As a matter of fact, because I don't want you to forget this. I'm changing your name. Verse five. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. That's what it means, right? Father of multitudes. So that every time you introduce yourself to people, you will be reminded of this covenant. Every time they say your name, they're going to re be reminded that your God promised that you would be the father of many nations. Now listen, Abraham's 99 years old. Abraham's filled with wisdom. Abraham has influence amongst many nations. They there were many people that already looked at Abraham, uh, Abram. Oh, now he's Abraham. Sorry. But at that time, Abram, either way, we're in a transitional period of name calling. They would have already viewed him as a father of many nations. He has he has counseled, he has interacted with, and he has uh, he has dined with many national leaders from various tribes and nations all around him. So he would have been considered a father by many. This is not like, uh, huh. this is this is a reminder to him that this is a seriously intense structural reality in God's in God's understanding. 
you are going to literally father nations, not just figuratively and through wisdom and experience father nations. You will literally father nations. Your descendants are going to become great. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings, multiple kings will come be come with you. I will establish my covenant with an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you, to your descendants after you. I will be their God. Wow. This is, this is crazy. This is why Abraham's on the ground. He's so humbled by what God's saying. At 99, he's like, the whole, the whole idea, the whole process and in, in, in logistics that God's talking about is overwhelming. And God just keeps talking. He's like, yeah, I know it's overwhelming. You are going to possess the land. It's gonna, your, your descendants are going to be everywhere. They, they will they will run these nations they will father these nations they will run they will um, influence these nations everyone is going to be uh, impacted by this family family that comes from you and your line honestly this is this is like heady stuff this is crazy stuff He's 99 years old. It's not impossible for him to, to have children, right? We Good grief, we go, what, I don't know, four chapters away the, uh, uh, earlier, right? We have people having sons at uh, 300 years old. So this is not, I know, I know, preachers love to make fun of, if I'm 19 years old and I can still make a baby, I mean, come on. <laughs> We're talking Cialis Extra right here. Whatever. Like, I know it's humorous and, most preachers only have 20 minutes. Some of them have 40 minutes to make a point. And so they just kind of, they got to say something funny along the way in order to keep people interested. I'm saying that Ab Abraham, at this point, his name's been changed. Abraham is is not thinking, he's thinking, It's I know it's possible for me, but God, seriously, I've had sex with Sarah so many times. She's never gotten pregnant. I, I, I do it once with Hagar and she gets pregnant. So clearly the problem is not me. God continues talking. Verse 9. Then God says to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Now, every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumstance, circumcision. <laughs> and you will be... You will be, oh, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not of your offspring also need to be circumcised. Whether they are born in your household or bought with money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in the flesh is to be with an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who might have not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut from this, his people. He has broken my covenant. And God said to Abraham, as, uh, well, we'll stop there. All right. 
So, circumcision. Now, I, I know that a lot of people are like, whoa, circumcision. That had to be a new thought. <laughs> he's 99 years old. He's like, what? You're going you're gonna to cut what? You're going to be slicing. You want me to slice a what off my what? I mean, come on, God. Give me a break. Everything's worked fine for 99 years. Now you want to be slicing, dicing. No, like, let's, uh, is there any other option? Like, can I get uh, an earring? Can I get a tattoo? <laughs> I mean, it's, it is funny to play around with. I mean, <laughs> that was a poor choice of words. <laughs> Thanks, Bob, for like putting that in my head. Like I would have just continued without any thought of it, but you're like, brah, oh, thank you so much. All right. So, so yeah, uh, he's, he's thinking about these things. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and he knows what circumcision is. All right. And this is where a lot of preachers, again, you don't necessarily have the time and you're just kind of making some jokes and having some fun with 99 year old men getting circumcised. But the reality is circumcision was not anything new. It was, it was a regular way, uh, of being marked both in Assyria under Nimrod and in Egypt under the Pharaoh. One of the ways that you could show your commitment to whatever idol that might be asking or ruler who might be asking was to circumcise yourself. It was kind of like a permanent, it was kind of like a tattoo, right? It's kind of permanent. I mean, you're not putting it back, that's for sure. And it's pretty easy to check on. Uh, so then they could ask you, so, you know, why are you circumcised? And then you would have to explain it. I'm under covenant. I'm under loyalty. My loyalty belongs to whatever. Now, usually circumcision was done at puberty or manhood. So puberty would have been, you know, younger. Manhood was usually around between 13 to 16 years old, somewhere in there. Uh, and sometimes it was done, like I said, out of loyalty. Sometimes it was done out of covenant. So this was not unique. Uh, what was unique to Abram or Abraham at this time, was that this was going to be everybody in his household. Like, this was not a personal choice. God's saying, I want everybody circumcised. I want the whole household, the foreigners, your slaves, your kids, the adults. Every man needs to be circumcised. If you bought them from the market, I want them circumcised. If they were born in your household, I want them circumcised. If they've, you know, if they traveled with you from Ur and they're part of your history with uh, your dad, I want them circumcised. I don't care how old they are. If they're older than eight days, I want them circumcised. I, I want to set you apart, not just, not just out of the blessings I've given you, not out of just out of the protection I've given you, but, but I think that part of what this is, is God saying, listen, you have established yourself in trade routes and influence and in um, money. How do I want to say that? Uh, that's influence. Uh, authority. The, your authority is spreading. Like there's lots of people coming to you. You teach. You teach my words to so many, you know, so many foreigners. You have, you have made Yahweh somebody that they discuss. Because of the blessings upon your life, People come to you and want to know how to connect with your God. 
And so because of that, I need to set you apart from everyone else on another level. Not that it, like I said, not that it's unique, but the reason for it would be unique. Because anybody associated with the household of Abraham, not just all those from his line, but anyone associated with the household of Abraham had to be circumcised. And if anybody asked them, why are you circumcised? I want them to be educated on the covenant that I've made with you, Abraham. So Abraham is understanding all of this. And then God says, and it's forever. Like this is not just currently, but for generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised. He's like, this is not just now. This is not just a now commitment. This is forever because my covenant with you is forever. I am not backing down from this. This is forever. So I'm sure that there had to be a few people that might have been surprised by this. This would have been, you did not. <laughs> Bob's like, it's like the vaccine mandate. Some people might not have wanted it. Mm, uh, you know, well, Bob, you're probably not lying there. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, I suppose it is. I suppose it is. There's a lot about being mandated to do something that you don't want to do to your body that people find hard to accept. But mostly that's in places where people understand freedom. And a lot of people would have understood this in a different context because the culture was that of there's a master and everybody else does what they're told. I think because of God and his love for people, a lot of people understand freedom and, and uh, they might have given up a lot of their freedoms along the way, but when they, when they were pushed with things that they would be required to do to their body without their consent, that allowed a lot of pushback. Okay, enough politics. I don't even know when this comes out if mandates will even be a thing, but maybe you remember them. Anyways, this was not going to be a choice. I'm sure if they decided not to not to get circumcised, then Abraham would have uh, compensated them and allowed them to go because God's not one to force people into things. He's letting Abraham know your whole family and everybody who works for you is going to have to be set apart because of the covenant that I made with you. And people who aren't circumcised are going to have to be cut off from your family. You're going to have to ask them to leave. And he was good with that. And his new name was a constant reminder. You are a father of many nations. And many nations will come for you. Many kings will come for you. And he says, as for Sarah, your wife, I'm going to change her name from Sarai to Sarah. And I will bless her. And will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham again fell face down and he laughed to himself and said, Wow, will I will a son be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, only, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. In other words, all right, listen, I I'm ninety-nine. I I'm not so sure I even want to have a child at this point. 
And I don't know if Sarah's going to be super jacked about getting pregnant at 90 years old, just so you know. Why don't we run all this stuff through Ishmael? I've raised him for 13 years. He's an awesome young man. He comes with your blessings already. Like, let's just bring him under that umbrella. And God said to him, oh, he is going to live under my blessing, verse 19. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you, absolutely. And I will bless him, no doubt. I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. As a matter of fact, he's going to father 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I'm establishing with Isaac. The one that I gave you is the one that goes on to him because he's going to be blood for blood with your first wife. You're really, from God's perspective, your only wife whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So there's a, I don't know, three-month window in order to get a birth in by next year. So he's he's telling he's telling Abraham, uh, you're you're gonna have to you know get busy, Bob. I know I I know I I would I would probably accentuate this more if I knew who was listening because if there's children listening, there's really no need to go on. But if I was in a place where only adults were, I probably would go on a little bit more. But we're not going to. If you're an adult, just you know have some have some imagination there. So Abraham and Sarah are both told and promised that they are going to be leaders. There, there will be leaders and tribes and nations that are going to run through them. Now, you know, Abraham had legitimate questions, right? I mean, these are legit, le, legitimate uh, questions. He asks, is this like, is this for real? Or are we just using this as a, you know, as a as a picture, a word picture? He's like, no, you are going to literally have a son, and I'm going to bring him through you and Sarah. I'm going to supernaturally open up her womb. Some say that God supernaturally, at that point, it, is he supernaturally reversed aging so that her womb was young again. I don't know. Her womb was never open, even when she was young, so... I still can't explain how good-looking she is, to be fair. I just can't. It just seems really odd um, that that these nations would consider her to be so gorgeous. But, but if it's not supernatural, then I don't know what it is. And he says uh, he promises more for Ishmael. And again, remember, back when he back when he brought Hagar back from the desert the first time she ran, he was like, I want you to go back. He's going to have a brother, and there's going to be tension, but they're going to work together. He wanted family together. He wanted them to stay united. And so far, that's just kind of been the route everybody's gone because Sarah still isn't pregnant, and this is 13 years later. And then in verse 22, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. And off he goes. And on that day, Abraham, Abraham took his son Ishmael. So he did not waste any time. 
He took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or who were bought with money, every male of his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Now, my understanding is that as adults, when, when an adult male gets circumcised, it usually takes about three days before they can really kind of walk again. It's kind of a, it's a painful experience. Now, I would imagine, I'm not saying that they did not have sharp implements, but I can't imagine that they had something that, would, that, that wouldn't have left a little bit of a rough uh, cut. I, you know, I don't think they had a, like scalpel-like knives. Uh, maybe they did. Honestly, I'm amazed at what they could build. So maybe, maybe they did have some sort of iron, uh, copper. I know that they already had those things available. Um, so maybe some sort of iron or copper was sharpened to such a fine point that they were able to, you know, stretch the skin out on a on a rock. And, and make a slice. I don't know. I, I know. I'm trying not to be too graphic. I mean, it is a radio. Radio. <laughs> it is a podcast. But it gets all that. It gets it gets sliced. It gets snipped. Everybody does. And it says that everybody in the household did that on that day. Now, I don't, physically speaking, I don't, I don't know if that's possible. But what it means is that everyone on that day was informed that they would be circumcised as soon as possible. So shepherds that were out with the flocks and stuff that were coming in that night, it wasn't like they were tackled and circumcised. Uh, they were it, Things were explained to them. Remember, Abraham, Abraham at this point, his name's Abraham. Abraham is a teacher. Abraham is a leader. Abraham is a, a discipler. Abraham is a father. Abraham, uh, uh, well, uh, an advisor, a counselor, a man of wisdom, a man of experience. And so the information went out from him. I'm sure he did not just blindly say, obey me, you know, hike up your tunic and uh, place the place your unit right here on this on this rock. But the reason why technically it was said that every male in his household was circumcised, it's because Abram and Ishmael were the head of the house and the and the heir of the house were circumcised on that day. So therefore, every male was considered to be circumcised until he was. And it says every male, verse 27, of Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. So it all he all gets covered alongside him. And that's the way that, that God looks at things, right? It He brings about this, this identity, this connection through uh, more than just word only. He brings about the sense of family and connection in a way that will allow people to look at one another and say, yes, we're committed under the love and covenant of God. And that's what he has for all of us. And it goes all the way back to the beginning. When, when, the, when he presented the garden, his goal was for all of us to stay in the garden under under our original identity he didn't ever want us to walk out of the garden he didn't ever have a, he didn't want it wasn't his goal his overall desire that we choose the fruit and then choose to sin his hope was that we would never have to leave the garden we did and his goodness still hangs with us he's not intimidated by that or upset by that so here was a mark on the family that said listen we are all together now we're all going to be united under one God, 
under one circumcision, circumcision, and we're all going to do this together. Because that's what God does. He likes things together. And we will be together again next week on the Epic Narrative! Don't go anywhere. We've got Bob Thoughts. Well, since we last talked, I'm currently, at the time of this recording, I'm currently in South Dakota. It's pretty awesome, actually. I, I'm, I'm amazed at how beautiful the high desert plain is. Now, I, I, I actually, I like it all. Because I, I liked the regular desert that we were in, in New Mexico. But these, high, these grasslands that go on for, for like 5,000 miles, it looks like. It's, it's honestly breathtaking. And I just picture them like rolling with huge herds of, uh, you know, buffalo back in the day and, and just first, what do they call them? First Americans, first nation uh, people just tracking them down and taking them out. Not obviously they didn't take them out by the thousands like we did because we just like the sport of it. They did it because they needed it and they only took what they needed, et cetera. But that's a whole nother issue. But it's a beautiful, it's beautiful to, to see. And yeah, we're, we're uh, probably by the time you hear this, we will have gone to Mount Rushmore and um, the Crazy Horse Memorial and a few caverns around here. And then who knows where we're going next week? Literally, we have no idea. So stay tuned to Bob Thoughts at the end of every episode and find out where we are next week on our current uh we're not really homeless. I tell people we're homeless and jobless, but technically we drag our home with us. And honestly, we it's 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 all you need. It, it really is all we need. And that's that's probably one of the more revealing things about our journey is the fact that we are really comfortable. We have everything we need and we have we're in like 300 square feet. And it's uh it's 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 crazy. It it honestly it's crazy at how much we got rid of and how little we need. And we're like more than satisfied. Like I don't, I don't look at my closet and think, oh, there's so many other clothes I, I would like to have. Now I do look at my closet and think I'd like more shoes, but that's, that's just a thing I have. I, I, I really like shoes. Uh, yeah, but that's, you know, that's a personal issue. Anyways, on with my thoughts. My goodness, Bob, you are all over the place today. I do want to say uh, Brian's TikTok is called at Penny in a Bottle. Brian Minerly at Penny in a Bottle. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. He has some amazing, I mean, he has funny things for sure, but he also has some amazing uh, music that you can listen to there. Uh, And when he goes live, Oh my goodness, you definitely want to listen to those when he's just playing music. He's so gifted. Uh, oh, and uh, we now have 10 grandchildren. As of um, last week, our 10th grandchild was born. I, be- I believe, is it 7th grandson? Uh, and his, his name is Hamit. Uh, most people probably call him Emmett, but they tried. Uh, 
it's kind of got a Middle Eastern twist to it. And I, you can uh, check out my Facebook page if you want to see the name and its meaning and all that kind of stuff. But uh, And don't forget to check out my Bob Thoughts on Facebook as well. On with my thoughts regarding this episode. I wanted to uh, just hit on a few what I would call rocks in a relationship. I mentioned it um, in this episode. I wanted to expand on it some, and that is this. A lot of times people will look at negative uh, things. We'll call it sin, right? They, they, quote, commit a sin, and they think, they think that their relationship with God is now broken, and God has separated himself from them, because because of usually what I would consider traditional and wrong teaching regarding uh, Jesus on the cross. A lot of preachers use the idea that that it says in you know uh, uh, where where Jesus cries out, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me?" They use that quote to prove that God cannot look upon sin. And while his son was dying on the cross, the father had to turn his face away. And there's honestly some very moving um, songs and, and preaching about that mindset, that, that God cannot look upon sin, he cannot tolerate sin, he cannot whatever, whatever, whatever. And therefore, they, you know, he has to... He, you have to make yourself right in order for God to be able to, you know, uh, commune with you again, to talk with you again, to connect with you again. And this is just bad. And I know, I, I believe I covered it in one of the early episodes uh, in Genesis 3 where Adam and Eve sin, quote, sin, eat the apple. And, uh, and, and we're like, now, now what's going to happen? And we go in detail over the fact that God is not afraid of sin. He clearly shows up when after this happens, and he has this could be multiple day conversation with them. They chose not to repent. They chose to be removed from the garden. That's their choice. God honored that choice because He's not going to force people to do anything. And so when when we quote sin, and and something. It's not that something breaks the relationship. The relationship with God cannot be broken. He says, through, through his son Jesus, he says, you can't do anything to separate my love from you. You literally, you can't, you can't even go to hell and be separated from my love, which is a fascinating concept if you want to talk about what hell is like. Again, not something I'm going to hit today because, you know, I probably, uh, what, what, how far, how far have I gotten? I'm already almost seven minutes into this, and I really haven't made a point yet. But God, God is not afraid of sin. And so when you sin, the way, the way I like to look at it, for me, let's say the relationship with God is, is, a, is a river. And it's just flowing, and it's clear, and it moves quickly and, and deeply. And depending on, you know, how... Your like relationship is always something that can grow and and it's a living, breathing organism. That's what a relationship is, and it's the same with God. So when you sin, it's like throwing a rock in that relationship. 
And a river can roll right over, right over a rock. And if it's a really big sin, let's say it's, a, it's an addiction of some sort, or some might say a habitual sin, that rock might, be get, might get pretty big. And it might, it might be something that everyone else can notice in your life. But the river, if you've ever seen a river, will work its way around. It will cut an entire new path in order to maintain the flow. That's the love of God. It's not going to let your sin hinder the relationship or the connection. Now, it, you might be hindered because the enemy is constantly trying to use that event in your life as some sort of identity marker. And, and he'll, the enemy will say, see, you are the rock. You have stopped the flow of God's connection. You are the problem. You need to make things right. You, and it all becomes you. But as we learned in the, in the covenant with Abraham, God says, I take care of both sides of this covenant. I don't need you to have any performance in order to make this covenant work. I take care of it both. And in the promise this week, he says, listen, I am going to, to take care of Ishmael because he is your son, and I'm going to give you your own son through Sarah. I am not hindered by your behavior in fulfilling my promises. I am not hindered by your sin in staying connected to you. This is, this is the love of God. This is the part that I, I, I just wish uh, preachers would stop being so manipulative because they just miss the beauty and the absolute goodness of God. They miss it and then they preach it and then people believe they have to do something to earn it and it's just not true. It can't be true because God is all good. He's not good and bad. He's not dark and light. He is all good. He is all love. So, so you don't need to perform in order for God to come through. And a rock in the river is not your identity. No matter how big it is, the enemy will try and make it. But as 1 Corinthians says, you have made God an enemy in your mind. It is not something that God has done. It is something you have done. It's something we choose. And God, honestly, right, he's, he's still there. He has not changed. He is, going to, he is going to speak to you and love you and reach out to you and draw you and invite you to greater and greater connection and relationship, deeper and deeper flow if you want to keep the river illustration. But it's your opportunity to say, I am this rock. I am so bad. I've got to take this rock out. Or you just say, Lord, take the rock out and let's have a deeper relationship. I'm telling you, God is awesome, everyone. You're awesome for listening. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to John Paradis because, because he's, just, he's just a good friend. And he keeps, he keeps uh, giving me great words of encouragement. And I appreciate him so much uh, listening every week. And uh, yeah, anyway, I appreciate all my friends. But John, I just want to give a shout out to John. Anybody else want to shout out? Give me a call. Give me a call. I'll, I'll shout your name out next week on, the, on Bob Thoughts. Have yourself a great day, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use. You can also reach out to Bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com. See you next week, guys. Thank you.